Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot org. And if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. Reverend Pitney is our guest this morning. Um, I had time to speak with her ahead of time. She's lived in McMinnville for three years now after traveling widely and having quite a number of uh, congregations um, and also administrative time uh, went as far as Alaska and I know you'll find her engaging uh, both now and if uh, she's willing to stay after service to talk a little bit. So, Reverend Pitney. As you can see by the notes in your worship folder that it's been quite a summer for our family. After five years of hoping and trying and getting all of the medical help that is available, in the early morning hours of July 12th, our son and his wife welcomed Jackson Hartzell Pitney, a eight pound, seven, eight ounce boy, into their lives. When the text came through with that first picture of him, followed shortly by the phone call that came of our son sharing the wonder and joy of those first moments of Jackson's life, I cried. Tears of joy and hope ran down my cheeks. And then I smiled. But in the darkness of those early morning hours, I remembered my mother sharing with me that on the day my brother was born, she cried. She said she did cry tears of joy and hope, but those tears quickly turned to tears of fear and sadness because she wondered whether my brother would be faced with going to war. You see, it was 1949, and the memory of World War II was still very, very present in her mind. And the fact that she and my father lived in Hawaii, where they were faced with the reality of that war on a daily basis, didn't help. Two of her brothers had served in World War II and one of their lives had been completely overturned by the trauma that he experienced. So on the day my brother was born, as the United States was facing another war with Korea, my mother cried about his future. Since the birth of our grandson, I have a new understanding of my mother's tears. Oh, don't get me wrong, I have experienced absolutely amazingly wonderful, incredible joys of being with him, 
when we visit, when they visit us, the grandparents get the early morning shift so his parents can sleep a little longer. Goodbye me. I get to sing to him as we walk in the garden and I try to put him to sleep hoping for that long afternoon nap so his parents can get their work done. Loving him is easy. It's the best. But as the powers and principalities that rule our world seem to threaten our very future almost every day, I find myself terrified of the world that Jackson is inheriting from us. So many, many questions swirl around in my head and lay heavy on my heart as I try to fall asleep at night, thinking about his future. Will all of the isms of the world, you know, the isms, racism, sexism, classism, heterosexism, consumerism, United States-ism, will all these Isms that divide us become so toxic that we can't see the spark of the divine that is shining within all of us? Is it too late to correct the economic chasm that has the rich growing even richer and the poor growing even poorer and those of us in the middle waiting, wanting to be more tight-fisted than ever? Can our elected officials discover again a sense of civility and respect, not only in their personal lives and professional discourse, but in the ways that they choose to govern? Can our system of governing survive, to borrow another's words, one of the most bitter, divisive, partisan eras in living memory? Will another summer that is hotter than the one before, another storm that is more intense than the last storm we had, another forest fire that is still yet more destructive than the last fire, finally wake us up to the reality of climate change? And our need as human beings to dramatically change the way we are living within our creation? Can our xenophobia be undone as we choose to build bridges across our borders and once again welcome the huddled masses as our neighbors and friends? Will Second Amendment rights continue to trump the rights of our children going to school in safety and security? When will we finally have experienced one too many deaths by assault rifle? When will we have experienced that and we'll together be willing to stand up and say enough is enough is enough is enough, stop it. Will having a home and adequate food and affordable health care be understood as basic human rights or will the word entitlement continue to creep into our understandings. Oh, I am not naive enough to think that there has never been another time like this in the history of our world. I know that there have been far more devastating times. 
I know that there are people in places in the world today that are experiencing far more devastating times than we are. I know that there are people living today whose lives are so torn apart that they don't have the luxury of lying awake at night and asking themselves these big questions. But knowing this doesn't keep me from wanting to do everything I can to make this world more kind, more just, more fair, more loving, more filled with hope. For me, the words of A.W. Stream, inspired by the prophet Micah, ring true. Do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. What if each one of us, each one of us here made a choice to do something, one thing every day to heal the brokenness of our world? What would happen? What could happen? Our grandson is at that miraculous stage in his early life when he is beginning to respond to the people in his world in, oh, in direct and oh-so-wonderful ways. Last month when we were visiting, he smiled in response to his mother's smile for the first time. Our son didn't believe it happened until he smiled in response to his smile. Last week when we were there, we discovered that he is vocalizing in response to what's happening in the world. He coos and chortles when you change his diaper or when his dad reaches down into the crib and picks him up for the nap, from a nap. He looks up at his mother and almost giggles when he is done nursing. And of course, as miraculous as this is to his parents and to his grandparents, we know that this is simply a part of early childhood development. We know that this is how babies learn. We know that there's nothing better than interacting with a baby smiling and hoping that that baby will smile in return. I was reminded of this while we were watching the movie, Won't You Be My Neighbor, about the life of Mr. Rogers. In one of the many commencement addresses that Fred Rogers gave at the end of his career, he reminded the college graduates to be especially thankful to their parents because their parents were the ones who, Fred Rogers' words, smiled them into smiling, talked them into talking, and walked them into walking. We know how to do this. There is nothing more natural than to offer that encouraging smile to a baby. There is nothing more exciting than to keep saying the word mama, or in my son's case, it'll be dada, hoping to hear that as the baby's very first words. There is nothing more amazing than to hold out our arms to welcome a child who is beginning to take their first steps. 
Just think, if we can smile our children into smiling and talk them into talking and walk them into walking, isn't it even more important for us to love them into loving? Can we imagine what our world might be like if we were together, if we would together choose to be mindful of our children in everything? Everything we say, everything we do, every interaction that we have with another human being or with creation, in every vote we make and every cause we support. Pablo Casals says it best. We must work to make this world worthy of our children. In my humble opinion, there is nothing more important for us to do than this work to make the world worthy of its children. We cannot be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. We must do justice now. We must love mercy now. We must walk humbly now. Yes, we are not obligated to complete the work, but we cannot abandon it. So what would happen? What could happen? In all likelihood, Loving this world, loving our children into loving is already happening in this room. We are choosing to do justly, most of us here. It might be the way we are choosing to invest our money in socially responsible ways. It might be standing with our immigrant neighbors as we work together to defeat a ballot measure that will begin to dissolve the sanctuary status of our state. It might be showing up at the door of our legislators on Ecumenical Ministries of Oregon Advocacy Days, sharing why we believe investing in clean energy jobs makes sense for our children's future. It might mean taking the risk of talking to our neighbors about why we are supporting gun control legislation. It might mean standing outside the fence at the prison in Sheridan for worship or choosing to join the pilgrimage from that jail to the jail in Dallas. Standing in solidarity with asylum seekers who are greeted at our borders with handcuffs and shackles instead of being welcomed to their new home with open arms and loving smiles. In all likelihood, most of the people in this room are already choosing to love mercy. It might be by donating food and money to YCAP or volunteering at a neighborhood elementary school. It might be work by working at Juliet's house or the Henderson house. It might be volunteering on, with Meals on Wheels or taking a dinner to a neighbor who has had a tough day or week or month. It might mean becoming a CASA advocate standing beside a child who is experiencing the worst that life has to offer. It might mean helping serve dinner at St. Barnabas or breakfast at the co-op. It might mean being a volunteer at a family place or helping teach citizenship classes with Lutheran Community Services. This list goes on and on and on and you know it. And in all likelihood, all most of the people in this room are doing many of these things quietly, without the need for recognition or thanks, because we know that we are not obligated 
to complete the work, but we are walking humbly together as we are choosing to make this world worthy of its children. More than 10 years ago now, I was at a gathering of church leaders in my United Methodist denomination, and one of the speakers shared with us a story that has stayed with me. She is a single mom raising a daughter, and she shared that their morning routine was very important to keep the household running smoothly, you know, make sure her daughter got out the door to school on time and she got to work on time. Well, one morning, the routine was broken. Her daughter's responsibility was to get to the breakfast table on time, dressed and appropriately for the day ahead. Her daughter showed up at the breakfast table with no socks. <gasps> no socks. She had on her shoes, but she didn't have socks. I cannot tell you why socks were so important to this mother, but they were very important, so the little girl was sent back to her bedroom to get her socks. Once breakfast was finished and the daughter went out the front door to catch the school bus, the mother was not at all happy to find the socks lying in a pile by the front door. <laughs> the next day, the morning routine was interrupted in a similar way, but going to school without socks, like I say, very, very important. I grew up in a single parent family. I know how important those morning routines are. So back to her room to put on her socks. She ate breakfast, she ran to the door to catch the bus, and she left her socks in a pile by the front door. By day three of this no socks nonsense, our mother was not at all happy. So she stood by the front door so she couldn't leave and take the socks off. She got out the front door, ran down to catch the bus, and her mother saw her tugging her socks off and throwing them in the sidewalk. <laughs> I know I would have given up by now. Socks are not that important. And, but when day four was a carbon copy of day three, um, our frustrated mother got in the car and drove to the school. She was going to get to the bottom of this problem. She checked in at the office. She got her visitor's pass. She walked down the hall to her daughter's classroom. She was ready to give that teacher a piece of her mind because somehow she was sure that it was the teacher's fault that her daughter was not wearing socks. But she told us she held that frustration in check, and she explained to the teacher how her daughter was refusing to wear socks and how important socks were to an appropriate school apparel and how important the routine was for their morning and the teacher simply nodded her head and smiled at her as she listened and then she took the concerned mother over to the window that was overlooking the playground she pointed to the very, very far corner of that playground to the fence where a little girl was sitting with her arms hugging her knees. Our fearless mothers 
daughter was sitting next to her. They were talking. The teacher explained to the mother that the little girl sitting there in the corner of the playground was new to their school. She had been living in her car with her family for many months, but had just they had just been placed in a homeless shelter for families in the neighborhood. She was new to the school, and the little girl was scared and alone and unsure of her surroundings. And then the teacher told our frustrated mother that it was her daughter who was trying her very best to include this little girl. It was her daughter who was trying her very best to make a new friend. Well, now the mother was filled with pride and happiness. And then she looked more closely at the two little girls sitting side by side in the corner of that playground. Neither one of them was wearing socks. Almost every morning, I am greeted with a new picture of our grandson shared on our family album. It's a wonderful way to start the day. It's a wonderful reminder to me that there is so much work to be done to make this world worthy of all of our children. Let us not be daunted by the enormity of the task. Let us choose to take off our socks and do justly now. Let us Leave our socks in piles by the front door and love mercy. Now let us pull off our socks and toss them to the side and walk humbly now. Yes, we are not obligated to complete the work of creating the world of God's dreams. But we are not free to abandon it. <laughs>